Hey, uh, we have a, a special treat again for you today, but I, I kind of want to preface this by saying in my church growing up with my father, who's here in the second row, he used to say this all the time. Um, you're a guest until you hit the third visit, and then you're just part of the family, uh, right? So, so with us today, we have uh, Pastor James Morris and Pastor Bridget Morris join us from Gateway Church, and this is their third visit with us. Pastor James is over, over uh, the executive, uh, executive ministry pastor, and then uh, over all the campuses, and then Pastor Bridget is over uh, Gateway Women and all of the campuses kind of that cover that. It's an honor to have them. Elena, I got to spend a few hours with them last night, and guys, they're just as real as, as you and me. They're easy to talk to. They have such a beautiful family, and I love hearing all the stories. Um, but they're just part of the family now, so if you'll join me in welcoming Pastor James to the platform to deliver a word, I know you're going to enjoy it. Come on up, Pastor James. Hello, Pathway Church. It's so nice to be with family. I feel like this is home away from home now, so I love being able to be here with you today. And it's exciting. Pastor Mark and Elena, we've had so much fun getting to know them and just being able to hang out with them. And you guys are blessed here with Pastor Marty and Pastor Mark. And what a blessing. Amen? So my beautiful wife, Bridget, is here, as he said, but you can just wave at everyone. And then I have a picture of my family here. I did not bring my kids on this trip because it would have been very loud for all of you as uh, everything. So they're at home with Nana. So this is Parker on the right, and uh, he's nine years old. Mitchell, who is six years old, and then our daughter Bray, who is four years old. And so they are not here, but uh, they're a part of the family as well of now that we're family here. So... <laughs> Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Pastor Mark, if you don't mind getting me my preaching tool today. And so uh, some of you might even be looking at it, trying to figure out what it is. But and so, yeah, I brought my fishing rod to preach today. And you might wonder, like, why did you do that? That's a bit weird. And so uh, the message today does have a fishing theme to it. Do we have any bass fishermen here that love to bass fish? So if you love to fish, then you're going to love this message. And if you don't love to fish, then you're going to love this message because of the spiritual truths behind it. And so, uh, I, and so I would like the opportunity to talk to you a little bit today as Pastor James and as Fisherman James. The title of today's message is The Tackle of Temptation. And I'm talking about the actual like tackle, like tackle box of temptation. And I'm going to parallel the methods I use with fishing as the methods that the enemy uses to tempt us. And so I love fishing, and so I thought I'll bring my fishing rod, and every time I talk to you as Fisherman James, I will then uh, use my fishing rod to show you that. But then every time I talk to you as Pastor James, I'll put the rod away. I thought about putting on like a, a fishing vest and putting that on each time. But honestly, bass fishermen typically don't wear fishing vest. And that's more trout fishing. So, you know, if you're not a fisherman, that's okay. But let me just go ahead and tell you what the dress code is. If you're a bass fisherman, you typically just dress, ca dress casual. And then if you are uh, a professional bass fisherman, 
Then it looks like a NASCAR car ran into a shirt and it's peppered with like advertisements all over it. That's professional bass fishermen. Then if you're a trout fisherman, then you're up in streams and things like that. And then you typically wear waders and then you wear a fishing vest. And then if you're a cat fisherman and you're a dude going cat fishing, that just basically means you don't wear a shirt. And I'm not picking on them. I love to go catfishing as well, but I'm like, now you know why I'm not talking to you as cat fisherman, James, is that'd get really awkward really fast. So I'm talking to you as bass fisherman, James, and going to share some of the, the love I have for bass fishing. I, in fact, I brought two pictures. One is, uh, I cu- this was a little bit earlier this summer, Bridget and I and a fish, and then another one. Uh, so that's a double digit. And so... Uh, big fish, really no purpose other than I just wanted to shove off my big fish, if you don't mind. Yeah. And I'm not the first one to parallel fishing with the attacks of the enemy. In Habakkuk 1.14, it talks about how the enemy pursues us like we are fish in the sea. And it says, men and women are like fish of the sea. They take up all of them with a hook. They catch them in their net and gather them in their dragnet. And it goes on of how the enemy is pursuing us like fish of the sea to hook into us. And so that is what the enemy does. And I'm not highlighting today in any way the enemy to talk any way positive about the enemy or what it does, but we need to be educated about the ways of the enemy so that we know the ways of the Lord and how to avoid the enemy. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. And we do not want to be ignorant of his devices. And therefore, he can't take advantage of us. So when I go fishing, I have a whole tackle box full of different lures, full of different baits. And I'll fish tons of different baits whenever I go fishing. But no matter what, I typically use one of four methods when fishing. And sometimes a combination of the four methods. I'm going to show you how the enemy uses these same methods to pursue us with temptation. And the enemy has lots of different baits. He has lots of different lures, meaning he's trying to always lure us in with his temptations. And so there's all these temptations of greed and selfishness and fame and uh, all, it goes on and on of all these things that he uses, but he uses these four methods whenever using these lures to tempt us. And Ephesians 6.10, it says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And we've heard the scripture of putting on the whole armor of God, the breastplate and the helmet, and all these different things. We've heard that. But why do we need to put on the armor of God? It goes on to say that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That word wiles is the Greek word methodia. It's where we get the word methods. And so there are methods that the enemy uses to tempt us. That word wiles, uh, of meaning method, uh, which is methodia, means cunning arts, deceit, the craftiness, the trickery. The enemy is trying to trick us into believing things, trying to trick us into doing things, and we will talk about that. So in uh, this, we're going to look at how Jesus was actually tempted by Satan. And so Jesus was tempted, and uh, he goes up on a mountain. It's actually found in both Matthew 4 and in Luke 4. In Matthew 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit 
into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So we're going to look at these four temptations. A little hint, the four methods that I'll go through will end up spelling the word fish. So the first one will start with F, then I, then S, then H. So we'll look at these four methods. And before I say that, uh, we have our son who's six years old that I, I talked, uh, mentioned him earlier. And earlier this summer, we were driving the car, and we hear him say from the back seat, you guys must have a lot of boogers in your nose. <laughs> it sounds like a random comment, but if you know Mitchell, that, those things come out of his mouth often, things like that. So I said, well, do tell. <laughs> what, what do you mean we got a lot of boogers in, in our nose? He goes, well, I pick my nose all the time. So I don't have boogers in my nose, but I never see y'all pick your nose, so you must have a lot of boogers in your nose. <laughs> Very profound, son. <laughs> and so uh, here's the thing. We are all humans. We all have burgers in our nose. We are all humans. We are all tempted. Everybody in this room gets tempted by the enemy. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how much of a believer you are, how much of a Christian you are, you always still will experience temptation. It's how you deal with that temptation. But we all will experience temptation. If we are a Christian, that means we are a Christ follower. Well, Christ was tempted. So how much more are we going to be tempted just as well? Like He had the ability to withstand temptation, but we will be tempted as well. So we need to learn how to withstand the temptation. Amen. So the first method that I use when fishing is fake. And I have a picture of a uh, bait here, a lure, and this is a swim bait. And that tail, actually, the way it's designed, whenever you reel it through the water, it actually moves back and forth through the water. It's like designed, colored, painted, everything to look exactly like a real fish. And so the, this method that I use is I figure out what it is that is already in the water. What is it that the fish are already eating? What is it that they want? And then I try to find something that looks as real as possible to match it. And so you go out when you're fishing and you look, you figure out what it is that they want, which is real and truth. There really are fish that look like that. I'm not throwing out like a toaster. <laughs> you're throwing out a fish that looks just like it. And then all of a sudden you cast it out there and then you, uh, you learn to reel it in such a way that looks as real as possible. But it's not. It's fake. When I was about 15 years old, my parents moved into a subdivision and it had a community swimming pool in it. And I would get up early and go fishing in this community pool. Much to your surprise, I never caught anything. <laughs> but I would go fishing. And the reason why is because I was trying to perfect this method of trying to take something that was real and make it look in such a way. So what I would do is I'd cast out and I would watch it through the water. I'd reel really fast and I'd reel really slow. I'd pull my rod tip up, my rod tip down, and I'd be watching it in such a way to learn how to perfect my method to make it look real, but it's not. It's fake. So let's look how Satan uses the same method now to tempt us. And I mentioned how we are looking at how Jesus was tempted by Satan in Matthew 4. So let's pick up in verse 5. It says, Then the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. Well, where is it written? 
It's written in Psalms. He's quoting the Bible here. He's quoting Psalms here. He says, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands, they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. So this is Satan taking something from the Bible, which is real and truth and twisting it, manipulating it in such a way that it looks real but it's not real. It's fake. It's that trickery, that method of making something that is actually a real scripture, but twisting it in such a way. If Satan does that with Jesus, who is the word of God. So he took the written word of God. In John 1, it says that Jesus is the word of God clothed in skin. So he's using the written word of God to try to Look in such a way against the word of God. If he's willing to do that with Jesus, who's the word of God, who knows all words of God because he is the word of God, how much more will he take a truth, manipulate it in such a way to present it, to present it into, and you know how there's rumors that go around. There's all these different rumors. Sometimes there's a bit of truth to it, sometimes not. But it's taking that and perverting it in such a way to get you to fall for something, to fall for something that's not real. It's fake. But there's a small element of truth that's so twisted, so manipulated, that's what the enemy does. He twists it. He manipulates it in such a way. Satan is a counterfeit. He promises everything that we want and desire, but he doesn't even have it within his means to give it to us. He promises happiness and joy and peace and love and relationship. He can't even give it to you if he wanted to. He's taking something that's real that God meant to give us and twisting it and manipulating it in such a way to get us to bite, to get us to go for it in such a way. Satan is a counterfeit. 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen says, But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. There is an angel of light, but Satan is disguising himself as an angel of light. So a counterfeit is an imitation passed off deceptively as genuine. And so Satan is taking something and deceptively presenting it in such a way to deceive us. Now, have any of you ever paid with a $100 bill before for something I know we're a pretty cashless society nowadays, and we typically don't use cash, but it seems like you get the same response whenever you pay with a $100 bill. It seems like there's a thought that you must have just printed it right in your living room before you went to the grocery store, bought your Blue Bell Oreos and lunch meat, and just gave them that $100 bill. Because what do they do? They test it to see if it's real or if it's a counterfeit. And one way that they'll do that is they take the $100 bill and then they hold it up to the light to see. Listen, when the enemy lies to you, when the enemy offers you a lure, luring you in, you can hold it up to the light and look. And the word of God says that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Jesus says that he is the light of the world. So as you are tempted and you think, what is this? You hold it up to the light and see, is this of God or is this a counterfeit? Is this something that the enemy is offering me that's a lie from the enemy? But, so we, we're looking at how uh, Satan will offer something real as fake. 
That is with the first method that I use in fishing as well. So now we're going to move on to the second method I use when fishing. And it is the method of instinct. And so I have a bait here to show. Now it looks like there's like women's earrings tied onto it. Those are spinner baits. So it has little spinners and those spin in the water like that. It's got some bling bling, lots of sparkles and everything on it like that. And so the way I would use this is I don't want to cast it out too far and hit somebody, get an upset person and be like, listen, you never know when temptation's going to strike. It may just hit you right between the eyes like that. No. <laughs> so the way I would do this is I would cast it out and I would reel it quick. And what I'm looking for, you know how people say there is a, in, uh, people are working out of their human instinct? Well, it's like the fishly instinct. They have certain ways about a fish, and you're using that against them, that they just want a quick instinct. And so you would cast it out there, and you would, uh, it would have all these sparkles, and it's just something made to catch their eye very quickly to where they don't have time to think about, is this a wise decision that I'm making right now? Fish aren't thinking that. They're just, you're trying to go real fast and quick. Okay, just thought, little pop quiz. What is it that a bass fisherman, a bass, and my four-year-old daughter all have in common? They all love sparkles and glitter. <laughs> I mean, you look at all these big, strong men out on their bass boat, and it's all like purple glitter all over it. It looks like it was just dipped in fairyland or something. It's because we love this, the sparkles, because bass love sparkles. Because the way you're fishing it is it's made to just catch their eye. Sometimes you'll watch a little minnow swimming in the water, and it'll just move up just a little bit, and you'll see its belly will flash in the sunlight. In the same way, you're using this bait so that you're just operating so that it has, makes a very quick, instinctive decision. Okay. So that's the second method that I use. So remember, we're spelling the word fish. The first method was fake. Second method is instinct. And so now we're going to look at how Satan uses the same method to tempt us. We'll look into Matthew 4, pick up in verse 3. It says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. And, okay, so something we need to know about this is Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights leading into this. He was hungry. The enemy was preying on his humanness, his human body needing to eat. And he's looking for a very quick decision, a very impulse. We sometimes you know, talked about people that made a very impulse decision or a very impulse purchase. It's the same thing that it's just a very quick instinctive action, a reaction in doing that. That's an impulse decision that we, we move in such a way that we are jumping onto something before we even get to analyze what, what it is that we're, we're doing. And so Jesus was hungry. His body was hungry. The enemy tries to use that against him. Sometimes we're very hungry for something, maybe attention, maybe something else. And so we will do something in order to get that. So Jesus is hungry here. We see a very similar situation here with Jacob and Esau. So Esau was the older brother. Jacob was the second born. One day Esau comes in and he is starving. He's so hungry and Jacob had just made a fresh batch of soup. So in that moment, there was this instinctive decision, this impulse decision that Esau made and he sold his birthright to Jacob for the bowl of soup. In the same way, 
Jesus is trying to do that. I mean, uh, Satan's trying to do that to Jesus to have him make a very quick and impulse decision. I feel like I've been that hungry before. I mean, I don't know. Uh, at the beginning of every year, Gateway does a 21-day fast. And I've watched my dad do this multiple times. I've always looked up to him like, wow, because he'll do like 40 days or 21 days, but he's done many 40 days of water only. And I'm like, I wish I could do that. So I wasn't there yet. So about three years ago, I said, I'm going to do a 21-day fast, vegetables only. Whew. But the first three days, I'm going to do water only. And so I'm just going to do water for three days, and then I'll incorporate vegetables. So it's on the third night. I'm sitting up in bed, staring into the distance. Can't even focus on anything. And Bridget walks in and says, are you okay? Uh-uh. Do you want me to get you some water? Uh-huh. So she goes and she gets me water, brings it to me. I start feeling a little bit better. And so then we end up going to sleep. And the, the next morning I'm telling her this. But in that moment, when I'm staring into the distance, this was the thought, the honest thought that I had going through my head. I think there's a 60% chance I'm going to close my eyes tonight and never wake up. I thought, I'm a dead man for sure. All my organs are shutting down. I've only gone three days here with, water, with no water. I'm with only water. Jesus is here 40 days, and the enemy is coming to tempt him. And so then I, I'm telling this to Bridget, and she says, you mean, you think it's your last day here on this earth? And you didn't even tell me how much you love me? <laughs> I don't know how that turned on me. But if, just a little hint, if you feel like you're dying, just tell everybody that you know, that you love them, that you care about them and everything. So one, one thing that we can do is, and Paul tells us this in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, it says, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself become disqualified. And so we can learn to, to sharpen and strengthen our body in such a way to be able to resist the temptations that the enemy throws at us. One thing that I, I've done and tried to incorporate, I've done it right at times, I've not done it right at times, but to help me from those quick impulse decisions is I try to pray about my decisions. I try to take the time to slow down and stop because when you do that, then it forces you to slow down, to not make a quick decision in the moment. So you stop and you pray and ask God, what do you want? And what it does is it aligns up your flesh with what the Spirit wants for you. And so when you take the time and you're feeling tempted, stop, pray about it, and allow the Holy Spirit to line up your flesh and His desire for you. So we're spelling fish again. I'm going to talk about the next method I use, fake instinct. The third method I use is stress. Stress. And so this is a jig. Uh, it's actually the same bait that I have on here. And uh, I'll explain how I use this method. And so it's, it's a jig. And the way it works is if bass typically have a certain log or a area, territory, a bed, a log, something, rock, whatever it is, that's like their territory, their home, like that's their spot. And so what you do is you, you kind of learn 
how to read the water and what's out there, and then you cast it out right in front of them, and then you just let it sit, and you just keep moving it right in front of their face over and over and over, and they might have resisted it 100 times, but eventually they give in. It may even just be a bite out of anger, but eventually you put enough pressure on them, enough stress on them, and then they give in. And so you, what, the way you do this is you would just know where the fish is, you drop it right on them, and you just wait, and it takes a lot of patience. You know, I just thought of something as uh, you guys may decide to go fishing from here, and like, you know, I want to try this fishing. Here's a hint. If somebody calls you while you're fishing, you don't have to answer. What you do is you wait until you're done fishing. You call them back, and whenever they, you call them, you say, I'm sorry, I was on the other line when you called. <laughs> See, it works. <laughs> Not with your wife, but it works. <laughs> and so what I'm doing is I'm using this, and I'm stressing the fish out. And so I'll just dangle it right in front of me. I said, do you want it? Do you want it now? What about now? Do you want it now? Do you want it now? Do you want it now? It's kind of like the little kid at the store, like, mom, 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 mom. You're like, something's going to give at some point. <laughs> so you just wait there and you dangle it right in front of them. So that is the third method I use when fishing. Now let's look at how the enemy is doing the same thing. In verse 2, it says, And when he had fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, Afterward, he was hungry. His body was hungry. Listen, the enemy doesn't look at you and think, wow, I think you're having a really hard week. I'll give you the week off. That is when the enemy comes in his strongest. When we are sleep deprived, emotionally struggling, physically struggling, when we are weak, at our weakest point, that is when the enemy comes to attack. He doesn't give you a day off. He doesn't say like, man, I feel bad for them. The enemy doesn't feel bad. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will not give you a break. And whenever you are so worn out, that could be when the enemy comes to attack. That could be when the enemy comes to tempt you because you're looking for a way out. You're looking for something to do when you're emotionally, physically, spiritually drained. In 1 Thessalonians 3, verses 4 and 5, it's talking about how people would go through hard tribulations, and these people were going through deep, hard tribulations and being persecuted. And then it picks up and says, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you, and our labor might be in vain. What he's saying is, listen, I knew that you are going through a lot. And I also know that that is when the enemy comes the most to tempt you. And I want to make sure you stayed strong, that you kept the faith, and you did not lose it. So whenever we're feeling stress, whenever we're feeling pressure, and what stress is, is it is an outside force put on you. And sometimes we think, well, we just cast our burdens on to the Lord, and you can still be feeling a pressure or a stress either way because it's an outside force put on you. Sometimes it's because of your own doing, but sometimes it's because of something else. It could be because of something that your kids are going through or because of work or what your boss has said or whatever it is. It's that pressure and that stress that is there on you. So when that happens, the best thing you can do is to refresh. Refresh in the Word and in the Spirit. 
When you are worn out, when you're beaten up, that's when you feel like, I just need a break. No, that's when you need to refresh. Refresh in the Word of God and refresh in the, with the Spirit of God. Go to the Spirit of God. Get into worship. Get into uh, the Word and allow the Holy Spirit to refresh you, to strengthen you, to keep your endurance during that time. Amen. So the first method was fake. Second method, instinct. Third method, stress. Fourth method is hidden. And so I've got a bait for this. And this is a jerk bait. And it's not called a jerk bait because they let the fish name it. It wasn't like all of a sudden a fish bit it was, ah, jerk. No. <laughs> they, they called it jerk bait because the way you use this bait is you jerk it through the water. And if you look at it, it has like some blood on it. I mean, it's just a great bait. Fantastic. <laughs> but the way that you, you use this bait is you cast it out there. And then you jerk it through the water and let it sit. Jerk it through the water, let it sit. And it, the bait sits there. And so it, it, the way it works is the bait would kind of go, and then it starts kind of floating up a little bit. Then you jerk it, and it sets, and then it floats up some. And you keep using this method. And so what's happening in this is it looks like the fish is dying. It looks like something's wrong with the fish. And so another a bass will think, what an easy meal. I've got this. It's not going to fight back. I can easily get away with it. It's not, no, it's not going to be difficult. I'm going to get all the fruit of having the nutrition, but with little effort. Nobody's going to know about it. Like, it's, it's easy. This is easy. You're easily going to get away with it. So now let's look at how the enemy has done the same thing to Jesus and how he does it to us as well. Picking up in verse 8, it says, the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these things I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So what happened is Satan then takes him up on this mountain and says, look at all this stuff. Look at all this. All of it's you. Listen, nobody's around. It's just you and me. Just you and me. You will easily get away with this. You've got this. It's just one teeny tiny compromise. Who's going to know? All of it's yours. And you've got this. And what he's doing is he is allowing that, that hidden moment, that, that moment when you think, I'll, I could easily get away with this. You might be at work or something and just think, I just got to do this. It's just this. And look at what all opens up to me. I just, I just have to take this one thing, but then look what happens. Look at all this. Who's going to know? It's easy. Why not? It's one small compromise. But the question is, at what cost? At what cost is it going to cost you? At what cost will it cost your family? At what cost will it cost your character? At what cost does that one small compromise make? You have to run the cost. You have to count the cost. You know, so oftentimes fish, they see really good close up, but they do not see well far distance. And so they're, they're nearsighted. So if something's right in front of them, they can see it. But if it's farther away, they don't see it as well. And so often, we can be just like that, that we can see the instant gratification. We can see what would instantly reward us, but we're missing out on the whole eternal perspective. God's given us all of eternity and we're stuck in these, this 30 seconds. 
We're stuck in this five minutes, but he's given us all eternity. And we can look out and say, from that perspective, that's not worth it. I am not going to do that. Because you can count the cost. What cost is that going to cost you and your character? So let's say that we were fishing, and there's two fish directly in front of us. We cast out right in front of them. And let's say those fish, they know that they know that they know that they know that's fake. That's just a bait. That is hooks that are right in it, and it's not going to get the reward that we want. It's going to be there, but there's no nutritional value. There's no health to it. There's no point of it. And maybe the two fish are sitting there, and they're like, yeah, that's a bait. Oh, I know it's a bait. Yeah, I'm not going to bite. You're not going to bite. Are you, are you going to bite? And they're talking about this. What are the chances that one of them are, is going to strike that bait? Very, very little. Well, in the same way that those two fish won't, if we know that we know that we know that it's just an attack of the enemy. It's just a temptation that is there. There is no life in it. There's no nutritional value. There's no gain. It is an empty promise that he's promising you. Only God can provide that for you. Then what is the chance of biting? We can, we can withstand it. We can withhold it because we know that we know that we know there is no benefit to that. That is simply a lie from the enemy coming to come after us. So in this, we've seen how there's temptation. We see how the enemy tempts us. And fake, instinct, stress, hidden. But here's what's amazing. We serve a God that knows what it's like to go through the temptation you've gone through. That knows what it's like to experience the same temptation that you experience. In Hebrews 4, verses 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted. He was tempted in all points, yet he is without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help. He comes to help in a time of need. So when you're being tempted, you need help, Go to the one that withstood temptation and get help. The throne of grace that's there for you in that moment. He is there for you. We can go to the throne of grace and receive help in that time. Here's what's so amazing. This is good news that Jesus overcame death so that we can overcome death through him. Sometimes we think Jesus died on the cross just so we can go to heaven. But there's so many benefits here on this earth for right now. Right now, you can experience the benefits that were opened up to you because of what he did. So Jesus died on the cross and died for our sins, and he overcame death so that we can overcome death through him. Jesus overcame sin so that we can overcome sin through him. And Jesus overcame temptation so that we can overcome temptation through him. That's the good news, that he has already been through it, and he has already resisted the temptation so that we can overcome temptation through him. So I want to share a story with you as we're closing, and that is that when I was, uh, way before working in the church, I was a home builder. I was 
working as a general contractor and built houses all over the Dallas-Fort Worth metroplex and was driving all the time, working on that. And there was this one in particular city that was the hardest to build in. I truly believe that the inspectors there just found so much joy and excitement in being the most difficult people in the whole world to work with. They loved putting other people through misery. I was convinced of it. And so they were known, they have a reputation across the whole Metroplex. That's the city you don't want to build in. And so there was a, a time where I made the biggest mistake I ever made in home building in that city. And it was, it's a big deal in the building world. I poured a foundation before I had the green tag. Before I ever had the permission to pour the foundation, I did. And I'm like, not this city. <laughs> out of all the cities, this could have happened. My heart sank as soon as I found out what I did. And it was completely unintentional. I thought that we had the green tag, but we didn't. But it didn't change the fact I did. I poured the foundation. And I'm thinking, oh, my heart sank. Lord, what am I going to do? Not in this city. And I'm like, I wasn't making that much ton of money or anything like that. And all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this city is going to make me rip up this foundation and start all over. I'm working for this company. Who knows? They're going to withhold all of this from my paycheck every month and I'll be paying this off for the rest of my life. I can't believe I did this. And so I'm like on my knees that night. I'm praying like, Lord, please help me. Help me. Give me, tell me what to do. Like, guide me. And I remember multiple times the enemy came and tempted me in that moment. I said, you know, if you just tweak this, you know, if you just lie about this, you know, if you put this on them, then this could happen. You know, if you just fudge a little bit on the truth here, that's it. That's all you've got to do. But the question is, at what cost? At what cost will it cost you? So yeah, I did not sleep well that night. And then I got up early the next morning and drove what met first thing in the morning as soon as they got there with the inspector. And scripture says, if you humble, your, your, humble yourself before the Lord. Well, I humbled myself before the Lord and then I humbled myself before the, the inspector. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I can't, you know I'm crazy. I don't know why I did it. I'm as outraged as you are. This is terrible. I can't. And I went on and I repented and I was so sorry. And I mean, there was a home builder right before this that there was a Coke can and the inspectors were mad at the home builder, a Coke can in the road and they shut the, uh, that builder down. And I'm like, I'm just going to get it now. <laughs> so I shared everything and then I paused and waited for just the, the repercussion. And he said, you know what? That's okay. We all make mistakes. <laughs> it's too good to be true. <laughs> Do I just run out now? <laughs> I'm, I'm like, really? No, I understand. I made a mistake. He's like, no, no, don't worry about it. We're good. We'll, we'll, we got this. I couldn't believe it. So then after that, that city became the easiest city I could possibly build in. And other builders would say, hey, could you build our houses in that city for us? Because they knew that in a, in a difficult time, I was going to make the right decision. They knew it. But 
I was so tempted not to do that. And I'm sure that their normal response was, would have been the opposite of that. Would have been the extreme opposite to go in and just guns a blazing and just be getting on to them and everything. I didn't do that. So here's what happened. It became so easy for me to build in that city. The enemy had a plan. But whenever we resist the enemy and do things God's ways, then what the enemy meant for harm and destruction for me, God turned for good. When you resist the enemy and you do things God's ways, then he will make it work for you in such a way. He will turn the enemy's plans against the enemy and for your good. It's our choice. But when we're tempted, we have the one that resisted all temptation to run to, to go to him and say, help me. Help me in this temptation. I need you in this moment. Let me pray with you right now, if you don't mind. Lord, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to us through this message? Lord, thank you that you overcame temptation so that we can overcome temptation. Whatever that lure is in each of our lives, it's different for all of us. Whatever that lure is that the enemy uses to lure us in, Lord, I pray that that would no longer be a stronghold, but that would be a strength to resist. Lord, that you will remove the stronghold and make it into a strength in everyone's life. Lord, that we will run to the throne of grace, come to you, and ask for you to help us in that situation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that you are with us for right now to make a difference in our lives now. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Go ahead and stand with me, church, if you would. I don't want to let an opportunity pass without giving uh, maybe those that are in the room or maybe watching that they don't yet know the Lord is their Savior. Maybe in the service today you've been kind of pricked by the Holy Spirit. He does that to us uh, sometimes to get our attention. But I don't want to let this opportunity pass. So if you'll bow your head with me. If that's you and you'd say, you know, Pastor, maybe I'm, I've been close to God before, but I'm, I'm far away. Maybe I took one of those lures. I took one of the baits of the enemy and it took me away from him. Or maybe you've never made that decision to come to Jesus yet in your life and this would be your first time. Whichever situation that you're in, I just want to pray for you where you are. So if that's you, if you just slip your hand up real quickly, let me acknowledge you. Thank you. Anyone else? Yeah, thank you. Thank you. God bless you guys. Whether you're here in this room, as these few are, whether you're online, I want you to just pray something like this with me. And maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you need to pray it. I just encourage you to do, do so with us. Something like this. Jesus, I admit that I fall short, that I need your help. I need your goodness. I need your grace. And so in this moment, I just ask that you'd forgive me for the sin in my heart. Every place I've fallen short, every place I've taken those baits of the enemy, 
I repent of those and ask that you would wash me clean. The blood that you shed on Calvary that day, you would have done it if it had only been just for me. And so I thank you for your forgiveness. And I just profess you as my Lord and Savior and purpose in my heart from this day forward to walk with you to the best of my ability, to see you as my Lord, my Savior, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, angels are rejoicing right now because there were some of us that came home. So can we rejoice with them in this moment together? I want to ask our prayer team to go ahead and come down at this time, if you would. And guys, these folks are here at the end of every service to pray over anything that you need. So whether it's Maybe you raised your hand, and if you did raise your hand, I, I want to invite you because people be coming down for all different kinds of reasons. I want to encourage you to come down and just pray with one of these. We've even got something that, to give you um, a free gift. But if you would do that, it'd be our great honor um, to, to pray with you and to just speak with you. But for any other reason, maybe you need prayer in your health or your finances or your family or anything, we just want to pray with you and agree with you. So. Um, as we dismiss, you can do that. Let me just pray over you and just bless you as you leave today. Father, I thank you for this service. I thank you for this message that Pastor James brought us today. And just pray that the seed of the gospel would go deep into our hearts, that it would yield much fruit. And so I pray your blessing and favor over the people of this house. Lord, those that are listening under the sound of my voice, I just pray that you would bless them as they come in, as they go out. Everything that their hand is put to, you'd prosper it, that you'd increase it, and that their glory would be around them and your anointing would go with them every place they go and carry the gospel with them. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. All right, we love you guys. If you need prayer, now's the time to come. Otherwise, know we love you, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, Pathway.